Tonight, if you were to go up the stairs in the gymnasium, you would hear music and singing and laughter and the preaching of God's Word to a group of kids, and you say, well, that's the normal. No, it's not. If you were to leave here and go out in the children's wing, you've got workers who have been praying and teaching and studying the Word of God and who are loving and encouraging and pouring into them, and you say, well, that's the normal. No, it's not. God is at work. And tonight you might be saying, Jake, God's at work in my own life. God's been at work in my family. God's been giving me opportunities. God's been doing all of those things. Tonight, do not miss and not hear what I'm saying. It's all Him. But the Bible says that if we are not good stewards with a little, that God will come and take what He has given from us. You say, well, Jake, that's not in the Bible. Just read about the servant who had the different amount of talents and one buried it and one invested it and one doubled it. Tonight I want you to know something, that this sermon is all about good stewardship. Good stewardship in every area of your life. And so tonight I pray that you will bear with me as you read these names and I mispronounce probably all of them. But if you would pray with me and we'll go through this chapter. Father, tonight I thank you for your word, and Lord, I hope tonight that the words that I say can be an encouragement, not a discouragement. Lord, that you have blessed and worked and moved, and Lord, even the challenges from blessings, Lord, are to be celebrated. Help us as families and individuals and as a church never take for granted what you're doing, how you're working, the lives that you're changing. And Lord, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight, the first thing I want to show you, if you don't want to hinder the blessings of God, is this. You need leaders who help make decisions and set goals. You need leaders who help make decisions and set goals. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. King Solomon was king over all Israel, and these were his officials. The names do not matter, but we're going to read them. What matters is there were people who Solomon relied on who worked together as a team to do more together than Solomon could do by himself. And tonight I want you to know something. If you think this church can rise and fall on your creativity or the pastor's creativity or your wonderful speaking skills or my wonderful speaking skills, you are mistaken. As God continues to bless, God continues to work, God continues to move, it is impossible for one person, for one class, for one committee to carry the load of God's blessings. And who do we really think we are that we think, God, you can bless in such a way that I can handle it all by myself? Think about the blessing in your business or the blessing in your farm or the blessing in your family as God has continued to bless us and our six kids. What I can tell you is it is a wonderful blessing, but there is a whole lot of stuff that has to get done. Saturday, I believe, we have two kids playing in an indoor softball tournament, one kid playing in a junior high volleyball tournament, and one kid playing basketball somewhere other than McLeansboro. And what you need to know from that is that requires more people than there are adults in our family. Can't be two places at one time even though I've got big enough that it looks like I'm trying. You can't. And so we will have to ask. I'm sure it will be my mother who comes to rescue us pretty much all of the time. She will have to help shoulder the load. Does that make us bad parents? Absolutely not. 
But it's required. And as a church, you and I need to know that as God continues to grow, God continues to bless, God continues to send people, you need to know that God has a purpose for you. God wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of hurting people, of broken people, of struggling people. I always encourage... um, Uh, kids that if they're going into a career that they ought to be a teacher, they ought to be a coach because the impact you can have on kids' lives. And I can't begin to tell you the amount of time someone who will come into this church and know no one and they'll be looking around and and they'll be like, well, I think so-and-so went here. I think I had them in PE or I think I had them in driver's ed or I think I had them in speech and I can go get that person and talk to them and they feel welcomed and invited And so tonight I want you to see that King Solomon wasn't doing this alone. Tonight as a marriage, I want you to know something. That God never intended for you to do it alone. When two became one, He intended for you two to share and to carry the load together. God never intended us to operate alone. We even see that God has revealed Himself and that He is three in one. Father Spirit, Son. We see in the New Testament, right? Let us make man in our image. And so it goes on and says, These officials helped carry the load. Azari, the son of Zadok, the priest. Eliphor and Elijah, the sons of Shishai. Scribes, Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud. The recorder, Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, over the army. Zadok and Abathar, the priest, Azari, the son of Nathan, over the officers, Zadah, the son of Nathan, a priest and a king's friend, Ahashar, the son of household, and Adoniram, the son of Abada, over the labor force. Tonight you might say, well, that is so-and-so, the Sunday school superintendent. That's so-and-so, the nursery director. That's so-and-so, the youth leader. That's so-and-so, the chairman of deacons. He is showing us that each one of these areas have someone who cares about it, who's someone who is serving in that area. You say, well, Jake, that's not a biblical model. You're just reading that into the text. Well, great, I'm going to show you that you are 100% wrong. In Exodus chapter 18, if you remember, Moses sat all day to judge the people, all their problems, all their burdens, all their stuff from the morning to the night. In 18 chapter of Exodus, verses 13 through 23, we won't read it for the sake of time. His father-in-law shows up and goes, what are you doing? This is not good. You cannot sit here all day. Look at verse 17 and 18. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out. For this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. And if you remember his advice, it was find some godly men. Some some godly men and they can take a certain number of people. They can take a certain number of people. They can take a certain... And they can do that on behalf of you. That is why our deacon ministry is set up so that each one of them has certain families. Not that I don't want to be at every surgery, that I don't want to be at every hospital. I'm willing to try to be at everything I possibly can. But if God is going to continue to bless us, it has to be someone else carrying the load. That means you are required to step up. 
to say, here I am, Lord, I want the task in front of me. You say, well, that's an Old Testament example. That doesn't translate to the New Testament. Well, think about Jesus. He brought in 12 disciples. He trained them. He taught them. He prepared them for when He was to go back to heaven, they were to do what? Shoulder the load. Take the gospel to the highways and the byways. Friends, churches, marriages, businesses, if you are a one-person show and something happens to the one person, guess what happens to the show? Friends, that is why it is so important that as a church, that it's not my church, it's not your church, it's His church. That people find their place, they find a community, they find a small group, they find a Sunday school class. Because when the rise and falls of church happens, when the rise and fall of life happens, it's not based on one person. That's why in a marriage you need to understand something, that when God puts you together, and He said, let no man tear you asunder, it is a big deal. If you were to cut a person in half, from top to bottom, how many times out of a hundred would they survive? Zero. They would die every single time. And friends, I want you to know something. When a marriage ends, God can work and God can move and God can provide and God can bless. But I want you to know something. You will never be the same. You'll never be the same. Why? Because what has happened has been so painful and so traumatic and so difficult. It doesn't mean you're less valuable to God. It doesn't mean you're unlovable to God. It doesn't mean that you can't go to heaven. None of those things. But I am telling you, when you tear something apart, even if you can put it back together to the best of our earthly efforts, it is never the same. That is why, friends, when we make that commitment, we make it before God and our family and friends that it is till death do us part. Matthew chapter 14, I won't read it for the sake of time, but Jesus called the men to help Him. Second group of people I want to show you tonight from this passage of Scripture is not only leaders who help to plan and set goals, but it is leaders who help achieve those goals and plans. Leaders who help achieve those goals and plans. In this chapter, let's go on and starting in verse 7. And here's another group of people. And Solomon had 12 governors over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each one had made provision for the month or the year. This is a very important detail. Because as you know, the land of, Egypt, the land of Israel was divided by the tribes. You've probably got a map in your Bible. This tribe got this, this tribe got that, this tribe had this. Solomon said, I'm not going by any of that. Solomon divided these up by 12 geographic locations. Why? Because family pride had gotten involved. Well, we're of the tribe of Judah. Well, we're of the tribe of the Benjamites. Solomon said, no, we're going to divide it. And you're all Israelites. You are all of the people of God. What he was saying is it doesn't matter who you come from or how much money your family has or if you have the right name, that's not what it means to be a leader that honors God. And so many times we see it in churches. So-and-so's son's old enough to be a deacon, make him a deacon. So-and-so's grandkids old enough to be a Sunday school teacher, make him a Sunday school teacher. But what Solomon was showing us here is that look for the character of a man. Look at the character of a woman. 
Look at their track record of their life and the integrity that they have. And that's who can help you do things for the Lord. Tonight I ask you that. If someone was looking for someone to serve, if someone was looking for someone to get things done, would you be at the top of their list? And it goes on and it gives each one of the names of these governors, and I'm not going to read them just tonight because we're out of time, but you can read those as much as you want and have all the fun that you want. You say, Jake, well, this is one example. You're reading it into the context that it's not there. Okay, let me once again show you that you are incorrect. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting in verse 9, we won't read it all for the sake of time. But what we see here is the blessings of God, the blessings of God in regards to the nation of Israel. And it's once again about all of the burdens that Moses is facing, all the struggles that he's having, trying to lead this nation of millions of people And look what the advice that is given to him, starting in verse 15. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and made them heads over you. Leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers for your tribes. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Here are the cases between your brethren, and judge rightly between a man and his brother, or a stranger who is with him. You say, well, that's an Old Testament example, Jake. Where's the New Testament example? I'm glad that you're interested in learning tonight. Because in the book of Acts, chapter 6, the early church is in a time of what? Blessing. People are being saved. Lives are being changed. And I want to read this to you. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. When God blesses you, when God works in you, you need to understand there are going to be challenges. There are going to be difficulties. Because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. He says, we've got our calling. We have got to stay true to this. But yet this matters. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to pray and to the ministry of the word. The apostles didn't say we need more people to help us do what God's called us to do. We need more people to accomplish this. And for instance, tonight you might be saying, well, Jake, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be a deacon or a deacon's wife, or I'm not called to be the head of the underwater basket weaving committee. That's not my gift. But whatever God has called you to do, know that it is not insignificant. They were waiting on tables, caring for widows. You say, well, Jake, what can I do? Go visit the nursing home. Go visit the nursing home and find a family that doesn't have anybody and just go in and love them. Well, Jake, I I can't go in a nursing home. I get nervous. Well, then become a prayer warrior. Take a list that's on the back of the bulletin of all our staff and once a day say, I'm going to commit to pray for Jake and Jamie and Brian and Stacy and and Melissa and I'm going to pray for Lucas and I'm I'm going to, yeah, whoever's on the list. Selena, you know, whoever's on the back page. I don't spend a lot of time looking at the back page, but pray for them. That is what God can use you to do. Tonight, the church that is growing, the family that is being blessed, does not need more people watching. They need more people working.
They don't need more people spectating. They need more people serving. So that's the second group of people. I only preached like 22 minutes this morning, so give me just a little grace tonight. The third thing tonight, we see that the people who enjoyed the blessing of God. Look what it says here in verse 20. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and rejoicing. Friends, there are two ways to look at this. Because God had blessed and Solomon and his leaders had been good stewards. They were able to enjoy the seasons of blessing. And that is how it is. When God blesses you and God works through you, when you become a good steward, it produces joy. It produces abundance. It blesses others. And tonight I ask you this, why is it that most churches fail? It's not because new Christians get so overwhelming and so many of them that we can't disciple them all. It's usually not because we can't find them a place to sit. It's not usually that we can't find them a Sunday school class to be in. It's usually because the people that are making the decisions can't make the decisions together. Now imagine Solomon is trying to lead the nation, but yet the twelve rulers say, we're not going to ship you our month of grain. That was their responsibility, to run an area and once a year send all of the grain, all of the provisions that King Solomon needed. What if one of them said, well, I'm not doing my fair share. You can just starve this month. Well, then the king says, well, I can't starve one month. I'm going to have to do something about it. And that's how it goes in church. That's how it works when so-and-so has an agenda or so-and-so has their own desires or this class can't be filled and this person doesn't want to serve. What happens is the people who should be blessed. Tonight, those children are being blessed, one, because God promised to honor the teaching of His Word, but two, it is because some people who feel called by God to minister to them are over there. And what I can tell you is I'm not called to be over there. Just like right out there in that gym. I am so thankful for the people that are over there. They are called by God. They are serving because of God. But if you told me I had to go out there every week, you can keep your paycheck. Because God didn't tell me that and I don't want no part of it. I've got one out there who loves it. Because why? Someone has said God has given me a purpose. God has given me a vision. God has given me the skills. And I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them. All right, fourth thing out of five, and I'm almost done. There was peace and prosperity for everyone. I don't want you to miss this tonight because I want you to see that when God is at work, when God is at moving, it can impact the lives of more people than you could ever imagine. So look at it says here in verses 21 through 28. So Solomon reigned over all kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines, As far as the border of Egypt, they brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. I want to stop right there because this is an important statement in the world that we're living. When somebody that hates God's people stands in a street with a sign and says, Palestine should be free from the river to the sea, what they are saying is they are taking King Solomon's borders and they are going to eradicate the Jewish people. 
It's not a they need their own country. It's not we can live together in harmony. What they are saying is we want to take every bit of God's promise to the Jewish people and we want to drive them into the sea and kill them. That's why it says here, from the river to the borders of Egypt, God gave it to Solomon. And it's important tonight because we see this in our very own eyes. In verse 22 it goes on and says, Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fattened oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, and 100 sheep beside deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted owls. For he had dominion over all the region of the east side of the sea, from Tishva even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on his side of the river. And he had peace, peace on every side all around him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree from Dan as far as Bathsheba all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And these governors, each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. There was no lack in their supply. They also thought brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. You see, when God is blessing and God is working and God is moving... God can impact the lives of people that you'll never even know. There will be people that will be impacted by this church that you and I might not ever meet. There might be generations of Christians that come up long after we are gone due to God's blessing of this place and are willing just to be faithful. Think about your own kids, your own marriage. Tonight I want you to know something, that your children will be blessed when you will serve and honor the Lord. The Bible talks about the influence of Christian parents and a Christian home and the difference you can make. I find it interesting here it talks about peace and prosperity and God's blessing and all of these things. And tonight I don't want you to think that just because we do things God's way, He's going to give us a checking account balance that's bigger than we could ever spend. That doesn't mean He's going to give us a bigger building that's bigger than the one we have now. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go well and we're never going to have a difficulty, we're never going to have a challenge, you're never going to have a fight as a couple, you're never going to have a child that goes wayward. But what you can do is keep your sin, my sin, our problems out of what God is doing. As Bill Stafford used to say, Lord, just make me a ditch. Just pour through me as a ditch. And don't let any of my sin clog up the ditch that you're trying to use. Friends, that's what we have to ask ourselves as a church. Is there anything in my life, is there any sin in my heart that is negatively affecting my marriage, negatively affecting my home, negatively affecting this church? And the the fifth and final thing, and I'll be done. We see God's blessings were used to accomplish good. Friends, the moment that God blesses you and it becomes about you, you've missed the point. Look what it says in verses 29 through 34. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding. We already know that. He made him the wisest man to ever live outside of Jesus. But don't miss this next one. And largeness of heart 
like the sand on the seashore. And then it goes on and talks about how famous Solomon was. But I want you to notice verse 29. Wisdom, understanding, and then a heart to want to use it. What was that heart to want to use it? Compassion. You say, wait a second. Wait a second. You spent all morning talking about compassion. Why? Because what good is it to have the blessings of God? the favor of God, the goodness of God, and hoard it for ourselves. Makes no sense. Solomon was not wise for his own good, but for the good of the nation. Parents, if God has blessed you, God didn't just use it for you. He wants you to pass that blessing on to your children. Church tonight, if you think this building exists for you, if you think everything we do here is because of you and me, to keep me happy, to keep you happy, you missed the point. God wants to bless this place so that we can bless others. God wants us to be a light, not that we can drive up and admire the light that we are, but that we can be light to a lost and dying world. Just like when God told the nation of Israel, He chose them, not because of them, but because they might be a light to the world. Tonight you say, well, Jake, this sermon doesn't apply to me in any way, shape, or form. Give me one minute. If you are an individual, God can bless you. If you're a family, God can bless you. If you're a part of a business, God can bless you. If you're a part of a church, God can bless you. And tonight I ask you, what is your motivation for the blessing of God? Do you care that God wants to bless you that you might bless others? As you've ever heard this, I've said this a thousand times, and I'll say it a thousand times again. Everybody likes to listen to Jamie, and they put up with the preaching. I say that everywhere I go, everyone that will listen, and I mean that. But I pray not that the Lord would make me the best preacher because that didn't happen. But what I pray is that God will always use me as long as He leaves me. That's my prayer. And so when I watch people walk out of here with tears running down their face going, God is dealing with me about my sin. Or a couple weeks ago when I got the privilege of baptizing in the cold water, when I get the privilege of preaching a funeral, sharing the gospel with people that don't know Jesus, I thank God because, Lord, I'm still being used. Not the best looking, not the most skilled, not the most creative. I'm just about the best dressed pastor anymore, but that's, you know, that's their own bum faults. But, but God used me. Tonight I ask you that. Are you willing to be a vessel that God can pour into, that God can pour into, that God can pour into? Are you at a point where you say, God, I've taken enough. You've used me enough. Serving God is just an overflow of what He's done in your life. The more you spend time with Him, the more you draw close to Him, the more you are enjoying Him, the more it just overflows. And Tonight I ask you, are you willing to let God Overflow you. Are we as a church willing to get God overflow us? Because friends, we can be like every other church in Hamilton County. 
Do you remember the good old days? Do you remember when we had 200 in Bible school? Do you remember when we were seeing people saved? Do you remember when we were seeing dozens of new families show up every month? Those were the good old days. Friends, my prayer is that the good old days never come and that the best days are to come. People always say, Jake, do you know what it's going to be like in your house in a few years? Do you have any idea, Jake, what it's going to be like to have multiple teenagers? I say, no, I don't. I can't even comprehend it. But what I can pray is that the Lord will get us through it. And I pray that I don't view it as a time of burden, but as a time of opportunity. That the best days are yet to come. Because if I can just get them raised and get them out of the house, grandkids are coming galore. I hope they wait till all of them are out of the house, but I don't see that happening. And I ask you that question tonight. I know the world is depressing and discouragement. I know that churches are struggling. But tonight, when you pray and think about this place, when you pray and think about your marriage, and when you pray and think about your relationship with the Lord, can you honestly say, I believe the best days are to come. I believe He wants that. And if you'll let Him. Father, we thank You so much for who You are. And Lord, we thank You that even though Solomon was a wonderful king, Lord, that he had so many good things that he was still a sinner. And Lord, his heart was turned from You for idols, false worship. And Lord, You're truly the only king that can save us. Thank You, Lord, for sending Jesus to die on the cross in our place. Lord, thank you for having him love us so much that he was willing to step out of heaven, live a perfect life, and die on the cross for our sins. Lord, thank you that you approved of that sacrifice and rose him from the dead. And tonight, Lord, I pray that if there is anyone in this place that doesn't understand what it means to have a relationship with you, to experience who you are, not just the blessings, that tonight would be that night. But Father, I do pray tonight for this church that you would help us to realize that you are in a season of blessing and that we need to be good stewards. Lord, I thank you as a husband and as a father that you have blessed me tremendously with six beautiful girls. But Lord, I am to be a good steward of the time I have with them. Lord, I thank you for my wife, Lord, and that I pray that you'd help me to realize the treasure that she is and that I am to be a good steward of my time with her. And Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the men and women who have served, who have sacrificed, who have given so much, Lord, that you'd continue to use them in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.